So it's a pleasure being here once again, brethren. And all the glory go to God for seeing another day. And today I would like to continue what I had started some weeks back. And um, I know last week I spoke about giving cements relationship and is an integral part of worship. So today I would like to discuss the topic to win your financial fights, every true Christian must diligently worship God with his or her tithes. So all scriptures will be read from the King James Version Bible and I'll start brethren. I am indeed aware that tithing is one of the doctrinal issues on which the church of Jesus Christ is divided. Accordingly, there are those who believe in and do faithfully uphold this Christian institution. Then too, there's a category of believers that has doubts as to whether tithing is a New Testament requirement, but nevertheless goes along with it simply because of loyalty to their respective assemblies. Yet, there are others who, notwithstanding the fact that they do not really believe that tithing is necessary today, and this category has its supporters in the pulpit as well as in the pew. Still go along with it for lack of a better alternative. Finally, there is a group that categorically resists tithing, claiming that it is an Old Testament requirement and as such has no place in the New Testament scheme of things. Now to whichever category you belong, the following should be of some measure of help to you. Having said that, my general concern is for those who fall into the last three categories. But my chief concern is for those who fall into the last group. Now, those who believe and teach that tithing is exclusively an Old Testament ordinance, which has no doctrinal foundation in the New Testament scheme, of things accordingly advance arguments which on the surface seem forthright and even erudite however to the properly instructed their conclusions are as groundless as many of the other new testament doctrines that they likewise deny their error regarding tithing i know for the sake of their edification address now, once you are genuinely born again, you are Abraham's seed, as we read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. And if you know anything about Abraham's relationship with God, you would no doubt understand that God dealt with him, not under the jurisdiction of the law, which came 430 years after his day, which is Galatians 3, 17 but under the dispensational arrangement called promise as Galatians chapter 3 verse 18 states. Moreover, when we read Romans chapter 4 verse 13, 14, and 16, and also Galatians chapter 3 verses 17 to 18, we soon understand that grace and promise are indeed similar 
This let us know that God dealt with Abraham in the same way as he now deals with us, even by grace through faith. So on this point, I am sure that we all agreed. Now, brethren, if tithing had originated with Moses, I could have sympathized with my non-tithing brethren. But this is not so at all. For Titan, like marriage and faith, is a God-ordained institution whose genesis and attendant blessings predate the dispensation of the law. This ordinance of tithing, like marriage, has secured for itself a permanent position in the doctrines of the New Testament Church of Jesus Christ. With respect to the ordinance of tithing, any good student of the Bible would know that it had its genesis with Abraham when he met with Melchizedek, king of Salem and priest of the Most High God. What is significant about this priesthood is that it is an unchangeable and eternal one. Moreover, what is even more notable is the fact that Abraham's first response during that encounter was that he worshipped God with his tithes, as we read in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. Brethren, we must never forget that God dealt with Abraham by promise or grace, just as he now deals with us, and that Abraham's blessings are held out to us. This divine revelation in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, clearly states. However, from Romans, we also learn that in order for us to avail ourselves of Abraham's blessings, we must also walk in the steps of faith that Abraham walked in before he was circumcised. So this fact, Romans chapter 4, verse 12, clearly indicates. Well, brethren, from the biblical records available, we know that the giving of tithes was one of the steps of faith in which Abraham walked before he was circumcised. For he was circumcised when he was 99 years, as Genesis chapter 17 verse 24 states. While he started giving tithes when he was about 85 years old. Now the question one would ask, how do I know that? So um, the answer to that question is, my conclusion is based on the fact that Ishmael was 13 years old when he was circumcised. Read Genesis chapter 17, verse 25 as confirmation. And Abraham gave tithes before he made, before he made Ishmael. Read Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. Because of this fact, I am sure that tithing was one of the steps of faith that Abraham took before he was circumcised. Now, brethren, if Genesis chapter 14 verse 20 were the only reference in the Bible that one could have cited as a reason for the giving of tithes because of the spiritual linkage between Abraham and the church of Jesus Christ as Romans chapter 4 verse 14 and verse 16 states, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, verse 14, and 29 states, it would have been quite reasonable to expect a true Christian to pay tithes today. With this suggestion, 
every true Christian should agree. But God be praised. For Genesis chapter 14 verse 20 is not the only reference there is for tithing today. For it's important as a New Testament ordinance is underscored by the fact that the Holy Ghost took time to explain its significance in the epistle to Hebrews. Now, since God's desire for us is that we walk in those set steps of faith in which Abraham walked before he was circumcised, he did not treat tithing as an isolated incident. Instead, he elevated it by linking it to the unchangeable, eternal, Melchizedek priesthood. By so doing, he secured for tithing a legitimate position in the instructions in righteousness for the New Testament believer in Jesus Christ. End time saints, I repeat, the establishment of the ordinance of tithing as a genuine Christian doctrine is definitely confirmed by the treatment accorded it in the New Testament. Accordingly, the Holy Ghost in Hebrew chapter 7 verses 1 to 28 dealt with tithing from its dispensational perspective. Moreover, in order to avoid ambiguity, God treated with it from its priestly standpoint. In so doing, he contrasted the tithing done under the now abolished Levitical priesthood with the permanence of tithing given under the unchangeable Melchizedek priesthood, to which priesthood all New Testament Christians belong. Now the fact that the Melchizedek priesthood under which tithing was introduced is unchangeable and everlasting can be verified by reading Psalm 110 verse 4, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 6 to 10, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 8, 15 to 16, and then verse 19 to 24. Moreover, brethren, from Hebrews chapter 7 verse 48, we understand that Abraham could not have subscribed to tithing under the Levitical priesthood since that priesthood did not exist in his day. The Levitical priesthood, as we all well know, was instituted some 430 years after Abraham. Notwithstanding this fact, we all know that Abraham gave tithes to the one whom it is witness that he liveth. That can be found by reading Hebrews chapter 7 verses 6 and 8. This being so, two questions are in order. Who is the one that liveth? Who also received tithes from Abraham? And to which priesthood does he belong? Brethren, we all know that the one who received Abraham's tithes and the one who continueth ever is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, who is a God-ordained high priest of the order of Melchizedek, which is found by reading Hebrews chapter 7, verse 6, verse 8, verse 22 to 24. Then Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5 to 6, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 14 to 17, to cite a few references. And what does that have to do with us? The question asked. Many things, brethren. For Jesus, as we all know, 
is a God-ordained high priest after the order of Melchizedek, as we read in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 7, verse 17. Now, since Jesus is our forerunner, we also belong to that said priesthood, as we read in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20. And the first Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Moreover, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 specifically states that we belong to Jesus' house or priesthood. This priesthood under which Abraham or Father Galatians chapter 3 verse 29 states, Gave tithes to the ever-living Christ, as Hebrews chapter 7, verse 6 and verse 8 states, is an unchangeable one, as we read in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 21 to 24. Because of this fact, tithing is undoubtedly a New Testament ordinance to which all well-informed believers in Christ should willingly subscribe. Moreover, brethren, tithing under the Melchizedek priesthood is surely an act of faith. Now, since the blessings of Abraham are available to those who walk in the steps of faith in which Abraham walked before he was circumcised, as Romans chapter 4 verse 12 states, every true believer in Jesus Christ who wishes to access Abraham's blessings, as we read in Galatians chapter 3 verses 13 to 14, must likewise walk in that set step of faith that Abraham walked in, and accordingly, by faith, worship God with his or her tithes. Brethren, after having established the fact that tithing is also a New Testament institution, inextricably linked to the order of Melchizedek, with Jesus Christ himself being a God called High Priest, as Hebrews chapter 5 verse 10 states, of that unchanging priesthood as Hebrew chapter 7 verse 21 to 24 states, to which priesthood all New Testament saints belong. We can now look at tithing as was practiced under the inferior Levitical priesthood to see what blessings or curses were associated with its acceptance or non-compliance. For this exercise, brethren, read Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 to 12 as confirmation. So accordingly from verse 1, we see that Israel was informed that Christ's earthly millennial reign would be preceded by his messenger who would prepare his way before he appeared. Then verses 2 to 5 describe, among other things, the ruthless zeal with which Christ will execute righteous judgment upon the whole house of Israel in order to bring them to the place where he could again deal with them as he did in olden days. Then in verse 7, God laments the children of Israel's age or departure from him and appeals to them to return to him so that he in turn could return to them. Now in order to communicate his seriousness to them, he himself engages in a monologue in which he alternately speaks for himself and also for Israel. Now, the most amazing thing about this controversy that God had with his Old Testament bride, Israel, 
and in Isaiah chapter 54, verses 48, was that the first area in which he appealed to Israel to return to him was in the ordinance of Titan. Now, the question I would ask is, isn't this interesting? It surely is. The monologue follows. God first spoke for himself. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Now God continued. Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? God then answered for Israel in tithes and offerings. Then God delivered his judgment upon Israel in the following words. Verse 9. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. God then proceeded to explain to Israel the way out of their predicament when he said in verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Moreover, he went on to assure them that if only they would honor him with their tithes, he would deal with the spiritual and natural forces that could hinder their blessings. To assure them of this commitment, he continued, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruits before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. In conclusion, he said the following to encourage them to return. Verse 12. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So that's Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. Now, brethren, if tithing under the weaker Levitical priesthood attracted such enormous blessings when practiced, and when abandoned, resulted in such curse as Malachi chapter 3 verse 7 to 12 clearly show. Can you imagine what blessings would rebound to all those who, like Abraham, take that step of faith and faithfully worship God with their tithes, knowing that they are giving it to him who received it from Abraham, as Hebrews chapter 7 verse 8 indicates. And shall it not be said of them as it was said of Abraham, when he was well stricken in age, that the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. That's Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Now, the declaration stated, awaits to be said of all those who are foolish enough to walk in that said step of faith in which Abraham, the father of faith and our father, walked. So that's Romans chapter 4, verse 12 as confirmation. 12 and 16 and then we have galatians chapter 3 verse 79 and worship our lord jesus christ with their tithes as genesis chapter 14 verse 20 states and hebrews chapter 7 verse 68 states so in closing brethren i am convinced that hebrews chapter 7 was specifically written to highlight and contrast the temporary nature of the levitical priesthood 
with the permanent and unchanging nature of the Melchizedek priesthood. In so doing, God sought to impress upon the minds of all New Testament saints the fact that tithing, as practiced by Abraham, under the Melchizedek priesthood, enjoys divine approved and perpetuation, and as such, is relevant for us today. In addition, we have seen that tithing was one of the institutions which was inextricably linked to the Melchizedek's priesthood, the other ordinance being communion with bread and wine, as Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 to 20 states. Moreover, since this priesthood is an unchanging one, if communion with bread and wine continues under the new covenant, as 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26 states, can't you see that worshiping God with one's tithes must of necessity be an unchanging ordinance, just as communion with bread and wine is? No, bridging, I trust you see the light. So, therefore, it can be seen that all those who teach and preach that tithing is essentially a Jewish ordinance that ceased with the fulfilling of the law are genuinely ignorant of some of the mysteries of God and as such are not adequately qualified to deal with some divine truths. However, after having been correctly instructed concerning the subject of tithing, one can no longer plead ignorance for not honoring God with his or her tithes. For if such individual persists in dishonoring God by withholding his or her tithes, it might be that individual's way of indicating his or her greater love for riches than for the king of kings, I trust you would see the light. Brethren, because the time is very late and the need is correspondingly so great, I now call upon every true child of God to honor our Lord with his or her tithes. In taking this step of faith, as Abraham did in Genesis chapter 14, verse 20, and Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, you would be stepping into the threshold of God's unchanging financial plan, which was specifically instituted for all his true sons and daughters. Now, if this ordinance you faithfully observe, no creature in this universe would be able to withhold your reward. Just Genesis chapter 14, 19 to 20 and genesis chapter 24 verse 1. so in what was shared earlier today brethren i humbly ask that you carefully consider this following poem from now on it's entirely up to you for god's word is eternally true if like abraham your father you do god's blessings will surely follow you now i know things are really tight but I trust you have seen the light. For in order to win your financial fight, you must diligently worship Christ with your tithes. So may God help you to see the light. So brethren, that's the end of my segment today. I will be live next week again. Please prepare yourselves for Jesus Christ's return because he will be returning soon. Spend time in his word. Spend time meditating day and night in his word. And read his word on a daily basis. Brethren, you need to strengthen your faith in God for what lies ahead, especially for true Christians of Jesus Christ. So remember, Jesus Christ loves you. I love you. Have a safe and productive week. Bless.